Well, his name was uh, Edward Kimball. Now, most of you have probably not heard of Edward Kimball before, but he was a man of faith and uh, a man who had a calling. And his was a challenging calling. You see, for he was called to teach Sunday school to a group of unruly boys. This was back in the day when uh, Sunday school was divided. They had boys' Sunday school and girls' Sunday school classes. And so this was his calling to, to teach these boys about Christ. And, and, and he was devoted to his calling, Mr. Kimball was. He, uh, he, he made it his, his purpose, his calling, uh, to pray for each of those boys every day. And he wanted to personally see each of those boys uh, be saved. And to, to receive a personal, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and he had one uh, boy in his class who was uh, particularly challenging. Uh, he, this boy just did not understand the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. He just couldn't get it. And, uh, but he was determined, Mr. Kimball was determined to, uh, to reach this young boy. And so Mr. Kimball, one day, he went to the shoe store where this young boy was working in the stock room. And he went back to the stockroom and confronted this young boy uh, and told him and explained to him again the importance of him having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And there in that stockroom, that young boy uh, received Christ. Uh, that young boy's name was Dwight Moody. Now, many of you know Moody. He preached to thousands upon thousands of people on two different continents. He was a great evangelist of Christ. And that's how Moody became a Christian. Now, some might say, well, that's uh, the, the end of the story, but that, that really is the, the beginning of the story because Moody would go on uh, to touch another man named Wilbur Chapman. And, and Wilbur Chapman also preached to thousands of people. And, and one time there was a, a young professional baseball player who had a day off, and, and, and this baseball player decided to go and hear Chapman preach on his day off. And he became a Christian that night. Uh, that young baseball player was named Billy Sunday. Some of you have heard of him. Billy Sunday was, uh, followed Chapman, and he began to work with Chapman. He quit baseball and went and worked with Chapman in his uh, evangelism. And, and eventually Chapman would uh, become a senior pastor at a, a large church. And so Billy Sunday went out on his own to uh, be an evangelist and preach to thousands of people as well. And, and one time, uh, a man named Mordecai Ham became a Christian because of Billy Sunday. Can you think of a worse name than Mordecai Ham? I mean, really, uh, he's probably made fun of. But Mordecai Ham was, he was one of those staunch type people, really kind of, uh, you know, gaunt. And, uh, but he would go up and down the street uh, proclaiming uh, about his evangelistic services. In fact, he had a hearse that he would drive back and forth uh, with a loudspeaker telling people to come and hear him preach. And Mordecai Ham, uh, one time he was invited to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina to do a series of preaching and specifically dealing with uh, the school there and some high school boys because apparently uh, there in Charlotte, North Carolina, there was a, a high school and right across the street from the high school was a house of ill repute. And apparently some high school boys were spending their lunch hour at this house of ill repute. 
And so uh, Mordecai Ham had come to preach against these students and what was going on uh, in this school and to help these students receive Christ. Well, uh, you can imagine that some of these high school students were not really excited about Mordecai Ham coming to preach. And there was a, a young lanky man named uh, Billy Frank there that uh, uh, did not want to go hear Mordecai Ham preach. But there were a group of boys, high school boys, that were going to heckle Mordecai Ham. So Billy Frank decided that he would go along and join in their heckling. Well, Billy Frank came back a second night and received Christ as his Savior. We know him as Billy Graham, who has preached to not thousands, but millions of people. Billy Graham has preached to more people than any other person in history, including the Apostle Paul. But think about how far-reaching Christ's message went. And think about, we might never know the impact we have for Christ, but we have to be faithful to our calling. Edward Kimball would never truly know the impact he would have for the kingdom of God on this side of heaven. He would never understand the impact of his faithfulness and not giving up on that group of unruly boys in Sunday school. But just imagine if he had given up. If he got fed up with those hyperactive boys in Sunday school and said, I ain't doing this anymore. We have been called. This is how Paul says, but how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all have obeyed the good news for you. Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. We have a calling. Each of us have been called by God. As I said last week, I talked about each of us, we have two callings. We have a calling individually. Each of us has been called by God. We've been called by name to serve him and to proclaim him. And we also have a call as a community of faith, as a church. We have a calling. God calls us individually and he calls us as a body of Christ to do his will and his work. And we talk about here at our church, we have a mission. Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And how we fulfill that mission is through our call. And our calling is this, we are to glorify God in worship, grow in likeness of Jesus, and to give our lives in love of Jesus. That is our calling. Let's say it together. We are to glorify God in worship, grow in likeness of Jesus, and give our lives in love of Jesus. I would encourage you to, to memorize that statement because this is our calling. Everything we do as a church should flow out of this calling. Last week we talked about the first part of our calling, to glorify God in worship. We looked at worship and, and we used as our text the psalm that King David composed in First Chronicles and we saw how worship involves singing, how it talks about telling the world of God's glory. That's a part of how we worship and, and that we should come before God with an offering, that we should become prepared with an attitude of expectation and an attitude of thankfulness for God's steadfast love uh, because His steadfast love endures forever. Remember that? That's what we talked about, that first part of our calling, glorify God in worship. And today our focus, our focus is on the second part of our calling, to grow in likeness of Jesus. We are called to grow in likeness of Jesus. Now, if Jesus is our role model, if we are his 
disciples, then our life, our attitudes, our actions, our beliefs should be like Jesus. It only makes sense, right? We are called to be like Jesus individually and as a church. This is our calling. So what's the best way of figuring out who Jesus is, what he believed, what he was like? Well, I submit to you the best way to figure that out is by reading this book, specifically the Bible, because the Bible is uh, God's word for us and instruction on who he is and who Jesus is. And specifically in our Bible, we have the New Testament. And at the beginning of the New Testament, we have four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what is a gospel? A gospel means good news. And a gospel is telling the story of Jesus. These are four eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, what he taught, how he lived. And so we should know the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because that's where we read most about who Jesus is. And the rest of the New Testament are letters and, and, uh, and other writings for the early church and for us to understand how to live out that calling of who Jesus is. That's what the New Testament is. And, and we know, also know that the Old Testament is the Bible that Jesus had. And that's how he taught the people out of the Old Testament as well. Now, so reading the Bible is the best way for us to understand who Jesus is. So I encourage you to read the Bible, especially the New Testament and especially the Gospels, to get an idea about who Jesus is and his calling for us. In fact, for some of you, if you've been following our Bible reading plan, we have been, uh, since January 1, we have been reading through the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, and we're almost through the Old Testament, and it's August. It's taken us all year. Some of you have persevered. You've done good. Some of you started out great, and you gave up, and you said, I can't do it anymore. Uh, and so we just finished, we're finishing the prophets right now, and uh, and. Some of you are thinking, I never want to read the prophets ever again. They, they wear me out, but that's okay. But here's, here's what I want you to understand. Starting August 23rd, we're starting in the New Testament. So if you kind of backed off or you want to start over again, August 23rd is the day to start back. We're going to be starting on Matthew. So you might pick up one of our Bible reading plans that are out here and, and kind of pick back up. Because starting August 23rd through the end of the year, you can read through the entire New Testament. And we're starting with the Gospel of Matthew. And that's where we learn about who Jesus is. And as you look at the stories, this is one of the things I want you to, to do. As you, that might be your next step. Just start reading the Bible. Start reading Matthew. You have a couple weeks to get ready for that. But uh, as you look at the stories of Jesus, about who he was, what he did, you'll begin to recognize that Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God more than any other subject. That was the subject he spoke most about his parables and all that he did the kingdom of God and so even in the Lord's prayer when we pray the Lord's prayer uh, Jesus's emphasis was on the kingdom it starts out our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven <coughs> excuse me Chokes me up. Okay, there we go. Uh, but think about it. Even in the prayer, is talking about God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And you might hear about the, the kingdom of God, this dual reality about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is now and it is not yet. 
The kingdom of God is now. We are a part of God's kingdom here on earth and we are about proclaiming and living God's kingdom here on earth, making sure that it happens. And we are also anticipation of God's kingdom in the future when, God, when Christ returns and makes all things new, not just us new, but all of creation new. So we should be about proclaiming the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus was concerned with and spoke about and proclaimed to the nations. And if this is what he did, don't you think it's important for us to follow in his footsteps? The Apostle Paul thought that when he wrote these words, but how are they to call on one whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one whom, whom they have never heard? And how, how are they to hear without someone to proclaim to him? And how are they to proclaim to him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all who have obeyed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message. So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the word of Christ. How will the world know unless we proclaim? Unless we focus on this critical part of our calling to grow in likeness of Jesus. To tell the world of Jesus' love and his salvation. For it is truly good news. So what is our next step individually and as a community of faith? Are you telling the world about Jesus? Are you proclaiming the kingdom? Are, are you growing more like Jesus? Well, here's the invitation for you today. Here's your next step. If you're a guest here, you're off the hook on this one. If you're a member or you call this your church, you're not off the hook. You're on the hook for this. So in your bulletin, there should be a, a, a card. Hopefully you got one this morning. And this is just a, a little invitation card to give to someone to invite to church starting August 27th. So you have a couple of weeks to begin praying about who are you going to invite to church? Who are you going to tell of the good news of Christ? And, and so this is what I want you to do. I want you to be intentional about praying about the opportunity to share with someone at least about coming to church or about Christ. To invite them to church. And there's several ways that you can do that. And I want to share some of those ways with you this morning. On this card, on one side it just says this, expanding to make room for you. One church, three services. Then it has our three services. On the back it has our contact information, etc. And, and this is a great way to invite someone to church. Of course, the best way to invite someone to church is a personal invitation. It's that face-to-face, right? It's that going up to someone and saying, hey, uh, you know, I, I noticed that you, you don't have a home church, and, and I'd just love for you to come to church Sunday morning. And, and here's a card, information about our church, uh, our services that we offer. I go to the 1050 a Modern Service. Love for you to come and join me, but we have traditional services as well. What service would you be interested in? See this? Then you shut up, Right? And you let them talk. That's part of the invitation is they have to be able to speak back, right? Give them the opportunity to share. Yeah, I'd love to come to a modern service. Or they might say, you know what? I'm really not into modern worship. I'm more of a contemporary person. And then what would you say? Great. I'd love to invite you to our traditional service and I'll come with you. In fact, I'll give you a ride if you'd like. Or you can show up that morning. Let me give you my phone number and I'll write it on the card. And you can call me that morning. And I'll make sure that I connect with you and I can get you shown where everything is, right? Simple. 
It's not hard. It's just that invitation to someone who doesn't have an experience of Christ, that doesn't know love and salvation, that needs to grow in grace and fellowship. You might invite them to lunch afterward. There's other things that you can invite them to. In fact, we're having a tailgate party. We'll talk about that later. And a pool party. We'll talk about that. You can invite them to those things as well. Easy things to invite them to. It's not pressure. It's just an invitation to life. An invitation to something that can change their life, that can transform them, to give them a deeper relationship with Jesus. Now, there's other ways to to give these cards out as well. Uh, The best, as I said, is a personal invitation. But you might be in a situation where you have a card on you and you want to just hand it to someone that you don't know as well. Uh, I've seen at times when people hand these to uh, like waiters or waitresses or uh, to someone, you know, your hairdresser or something else, you know, or someone that you might have in service or work with. Here's the thing. I have a favor to ask you. This is important. Listen to this. If you give this to a waiter or waitress, I want you tipping at least 20% on the gross, including the tax of the meal. Do you hear me? Do not be a cheapskate and put this card down on the table. I do not want them knowing you're from my church. You hear me? At least 20%, right? Waiters are out there, praise God. Yeah, do not be a cheapskate. I don't, in fact, don't leave a card if you're not going to leave a good tip. I don't care how bad the service was. Because we are called to be generous people, right? We are called to bless others. Not bless them because they deserve blessing. Bless them because we have been blessed, right? That's our calling. But see, we are called to grow in likeness of Jesus. And Jesus spent his life proclaiming the kingdom of God. That's, that's my prayer for us. Just, just imagine for a moment. You never know. You might be the next Edward Kimball. With that unruly boy or girl or college student or coworker, you might transform their life and they might transform the world. You might be inviting the next Billy Graham to church. We never know. But we have all been called and we are all called to be faithful. Let us pray.